So, hello and welcome. I'm Sue Palmer Conn, aka The Divorce Doctor, and I welcome you to Heart to Heart with The Divorce Doctor and Friends. Whether you, you or a loved one are considering divorce, in the midst of it, or coming out of it, this show is what you need to listen to. Divorce seems to affect everyone in some way. It can be an overwhelming life event, not only for the person going through it, but for friends and family of those divorcing too. We are here to walk the path with you, bringing you specialists who can help you make better decisions, provide you with resources, and give you ideas about how to be your best self in a time that, frankly, can bring out your worst. And today, I'm so excited to be here with the, an amazing woman, Kerry Griffiths, who is a partner in Willowbrook Lifestyle Financial Planning and a chartered member of the Insurance Institute. Kerry specialises in helping women use their divorce settlement to create financial well-being and more rewarding lives through financial advice. As a lifestyle financial planner, she can empower you to become financially capable. Hi Kerry, thank you Hello. so much for coming to chat with us. <laughs> You're welcome, what a lovely introduction, thank you. So do you want to start by telling us a bit about what financial planning is? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really important question because financial planning is quite different to financial advice. So I am a financial advisor, but I, I am a lifestyle financial planner, more importantly. And the difference is that with financial advice, you um, get the expertise that you need to understand what investments or pensions or protection you might need. But with financial planning, what you get is the expertise to understand how your money needs to work for you, how long it needs to last and how much you need so that you can understand the life you want to live and how much it's going to cost. Great. Could have done with that myself 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so as a divorce coach, I work with women at all stages of the divorce journey. When's the best time for a woman approaching or going through divorce to contact a financial planner? Ideally, right before you even start thinking about divorce, you know, when you're at that stage where you're kind of thinking it might happen and we can then start to understand the current situation you're in. It means that sometimes we get access to documents and information that we wouldn't have once the divorce process has started. Um, if you know relationships go downhill a little bit, it can hard, be harder to find out some information. So the ideal is kind of really at the early, early stages, but that said, it is really, really common for people to find me or other financial planners along their journey, because it's not always an obvious thing to do to kind of contact a financial planner. So it might be that during your divorce process, your solicitor mentions that you need X, Y, or Z, and that kind of prompts you to get hold of a financial planner. And sometimes it's right at the end when you get your financial settlement that it becomes clear that you need somebody to help you with that. So they can help and I can help at any point, ideally right at the beginning, but whenever you know or we come into your realm, just get us involved because we can add so much value. Yeah, that's great. Great. And so many women feel vulnerable and unprepared, both during and after divorce in terms of managing their money. In what way can you actually help them? Yeah, and that's really important, Sue. They, they do feel vulnerable, they feel unprepared. They feel like sometimes that their former spouse has the upper hand. 
um, they can feel really overwhelmed and um, yeah, like you say, intimidated. And there's a lot of shame, you know, quite often. They're, they're worried about being judged because they haven't been as close to their finances always as they feel they should have been. It's a lot of self-judgment and kind of a lot of worry about being judged by other financial planners. So firstly, on terms of how I can help specifically, first thing is I'm really accessible. I just want to be really real. So I share on my social media who I am. I think it's really important that we break down the barriers so that we don't come across as really corporate as financial advisors. We are real people. You know, we've got families, we do crazy things, you know, we've got untidy houses. We just need you to understand that we are the same as you. So it's easier to talk to us. So that's one thing that's I think is really important in terms of how I help. Secondly, um, empathy and experience. So I'm a specialist. This is all I do all day, every day is, is help women who are getting divorced. So I do that without judgment. I've seen it all and I'm just there to help. And I think you should know that about all financial planners. We are helpers. We are not judging and we're not judging it anyway. We just want to see where you are and how we can move it forward. Um, and then the last thing for me specifically, I always talk in complete layman's terms. I don't want to use jargon. I absolutely hate the jargon. Um, so I bring things to life for people and just talk about it in real terms. So that's the how in terms of what kind of just to give some people some specifics, because it can be hard to they, they understand where a solicitor comes in terms of the financial in terms of the divorce process they understand where you as a divorce coach might be able to help them sometimes it's a little bit like well how does a financial planner help me so it's just to give you some ideas of how specifically i help um firstly i can be that final financial expert on your side so you've lost your sounding board the person that you always talked about money with if you did at all actually because we've got so much money silence but if you did they're gone and you can feel kind of really alone so you've just got that other person to kind of pass things by and just kind of get their opinion and that other person being mean is a financial expert so you can have that reassurance that you've got a financial expert on your side particularly if your ex was the financial manager you could feel really vulnerable without um, having somebody to really give you some confidence financially so that's from that point of view just kind of that reassurance and that kind of person to soundboard things with and then what we also do is some really practical things that can really help the divorce process become clearer for all parties mm -hmm. so things like your mortgage capability figures so how much you can borrow so that they can use that in working out your financial settlement um, we also look at your pensions and your former spouse's pensions um, we look at reports that come back about those that help you understand how they look in the real world so they'll, they'll come up with some figures and we can actually play that out and say okay if we were to take this settlement, what would that actually mean? What would your retirement actually look like? What would the income look like? And break it down into real terms. Um, we help with creating pre and post divorce budgets, which can help with your form ease, one of the forms that you complete during um, the divorce process. And we can run a lot of what if scenarios. Um, and quite often we become the financial standing board for your solicitor as well. So the solicitor will have some scenarios that they're considering and they can ask us to run some of those through our software. So they might say, okay, what if Sue stays in the house? What if Sue gets a part of the pension? What if Sue gets a bigger part of the pension? And we can look at those different scenarios Think about how they look over a hundred years. So we look at your life over a hundred years um, and how the money might last and just give everybody an insight into what the figures mean in the long term. 
Um, so that's kind of the main things we do, but there's a million other little bits that we do um, to, to just kind of make sure that women are prepared, confident, fill in the knowledge gaps and just feel that they can move forward with their finances really confidently. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say that, you know, the support team should be a, tri a triangle. So, you know, you've got the, the lawyer to take part, take care of the legal things. Um, of, I, for me, it's an obvious thing that you need to have financial expertise because that's, you know, the big part of, of divorce settlements is finance. But yeah. then, you know, the emotional aspects, not many people um, look to getting support from a, a divorce coach and the emotional thing ca carries on for years afterwards. Absolutely. So, you know, putting all those support mechanisms in place can make the transition so much easier. And what I find, Sue, when my clients have a divorce coach, they are able to get that support to make decisions as well as actually get that emotional support. Um, so there can be a lot of blockers when it comes to money. You know, a lot of women that haven't had the experience, the exposure, they feel like really vulnerable, like you said. And to actually then say, OK, right, you need to sit down and work out exactly what's coming in, what's going out can be terrifying. And they, they need me to help absolutely practically help but they need someone like you to give that emotional support all of the tools and a kind of all of the techniques to kind of take that fear away yeah i think you know if they've, if they've got all those support mechanisms in place they can become not just a, a credible client but an incredible client because oh. they know what questions to ask they know who to ask and they're not reiterating their divorce story to the lawyer who's going to be charging them two three hundred pounds an hour or 60 pounds for a, a two-minute phone call um you know what we're trying to do is to make them think about the the business of divorce yeah. and you know go to the right person for the right thing yeah you know sufficient. If, yeah sufficient if you've got a broken leg, you wouldn't necessarily expect a GP to reset it for you unless you were miles away from everywhere. Yeah, spot on. So, you know, we've looked at, or we've just been talking about financial settlement in negotiations. What sort of things should they take into account at what age? You know, are there different aspects of financial settlement that become more relevant at different ages and stages yeah absolutely um and it, it as you say it very much depends on personal circumstances so um each individual case will be um bespoke and different but kind of broadly speaking where there are young children involved um then financial planning what we should be taking into account there is um, what happens to your income if your ex were to die and um, so really thinking about the protection of that family um, even though you're splitting there's still a financial um, interdependence you know like you might not like that but it still exists so very very often and um, one of the things that often gets missed is if your former spouse dies and that income stream stops what then so it's really important that we put life cover on the table and we should put that on the table during the divorce discussions because if those discussions aren't amicable the chances of you getting your former spouse to take out some life cover after divorce are really slim 
um, life cover they could so there's a couple of ways it can be done that they could be the one who takes the life cover out um, more typically you take it out but on their life because that gives you control of the premiums then and you can be confident that it's always in place um, so that would be forming quite a big part of the, the story while you have young children around. Um, as you get older, what we're starting to look at them is, is kind of more around what we do with the assets because they have built up a little bit more. So we could be looking at different types of investment. We could be looking at um, what's going to happen to property because you're more likely to maybe be selling that property. With a younger family, it's more common to actually stay in the family home, although it's not always ideal, um, but it is more common. As you get older, it might be that you're looking to maybe change the properties. You might be needing to look at what you can borrow mortgage-wise. And we're also starting to look at any age at pensions, um, which surprises a lot of people. They think it's something you would only be looking at as you get older, but it's actually every single age. We should be looking at pensions as well and kind of thinking about what retirement income looks like um, for both parties um, and then trying to create something that's equitable so that each party is going to have a reasonable retirement. Yeah, so, so when should they take pension sharing into consideration? Every single time, every single time. So there was a pension advisance guidance um, last year and it has made it really, really clear that we need it on the table every single time. Even when there are not a lot of other assets um, and they offset, which is when you choose to keep part of a property rather than having part of a pension, it's absolutely vital that we consider the pension and really properly analyse it so that a fair amount is offset or put to one side so you're getting a fair amount of the price of the house in comparison to the pension. Um, and that's where financial planning really comes in because what we can do is actually say, okay, this is what your retirement looks like if you stay in the house. This is what your retirement looks like if you downsize and take part of the pension and give you some choices. And we can also say this is what your retirement looks like if you stay in the house. And then at X age, when the children are older, you downsize and invest that money into a pension. So you can kind of see what your options are and make some informed choices. But yeah, pension sharing is vital. And the good news is, too, that it is you know something that nearly all of my clients have already considered if they've um if, they, if they've been working with a solicitor, they certainly have. If they've been working with a mediator or, or a divorce coach, the only time it tends to get missed is when they do it DIY. And then, yeah. then, then there's a risk. So hopefully they listen to this kind of thing and realise that actually they can't just take part of the house. They need to really look at those pensions. Yeah, definitely. I know when I was getting divorced in 2001, that was the first year of pension sharing. Mm -hmm. And we uh, you know we we did the financial negotiations amicably you know over the kitchen table type of thing and decided that i would have two-thirds of the current assets and one-third of the pension as it stood at that point in time and then he would have a third of the current assets and two-thirds of the pension and that's that worked out really well um but obviously to get to that stage without financial advice you need yeah. to have a very amicable breakup absolutely and you really need to understand what that decision means you know you know what what does that mean to have a third of his pension how does that look is that a good outcome and it's and you know like when you just say it in black and white who knows you, you there's quite a lot of depth to get to the place where you go there that's that's a good outcome that's one that actually is going to work for me yeah. um and um 
to be fair, that kind of outcome normally comes when a solicitor is involved or a mediator, and they would normally say, go and speak to a financial advisor, go and work out whether or not this works. And quite often they'll ask for stuff back from me. So they'll ask me to show what does this actually look like so that they can feel confident too about what's being proposed. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's something that you do very much need to take into account because you know I was 50 when I got divorced and I'm still having to work now to build up my pension at the time yeah it sounded like a lot of money but obviously over 20 years that's dwindled in value yeah absolutely does so you know it's so important especially for for the older woman going through divorce and of course the grey divorce figures are the ones that are rising most rapidly so you know what advice would you get would you give to someone 50 plus going through divorce so oh carry on was there any part of that that she, she may not have she may have given up work um to look look after the children um and then only work part-time so won't have built up a, a pension pot in their own right absolutely um so the first thing to say is that um it needs to be something that forms a really big part of the negotiation if you're if you're approaching retirement um then it's going to be kind of one of the key factors about how the financial settlement looks is kind of how that mm-hmm. retirement looks so one of the things that we need to think about is and, and actually it'll be the solicitor who's giving this consideration they will be thinking about the contribution that you've made to the marriage in terms of time out for childcare. quite often women work part-time as well so even if they have returned to work they do it on a basis that um, means that they can still look after the home when they return full-time even then they can do it in a way that still means that they can take on the home responsibility so even women working full-time often aren't doing it in the same way that their husband is who's advancing his career he's traveling he's not got any limitations on the hours that he works he can really move up that corporate ladder and as a couple that's kind of a, a joint decision that he he moves up that ladder rather than you moving up that ladder because actually one of you needs to have that responsibility um, and then that also plays into some other areas in terms of of um, if he has built up a really big pension pot, there's this kind of feeling a lot of the time from from women that they are greedy if they try to go after his pension. Um, So I would also say to women watching or listening to this podcast is that you are not greedy by trying to explore what's going on with the pension. Had he not been putting money into that pension, it would have been coming into the family and it would have been family money. And that money would have been put into the lifestyle that you were living and would have been enjoyed by the family or into savings that would have been joint savings or into the children's savings. So that money is actually family money. Um, And also really importantly with this side of things is to consider the contribution you made as being really valid. You know, the time that you've taken to have those children, to look after those children, allowed him to do certain things in his career that were for the family. So this is not about money grabbing. The court system won't let you be unfair. It will be completely fair in its decision. And there's a lot of mindset work that you probably come across to for women to realise that this is not not about being greedy. It's just about being fair. Yeah, you're right. A lot of this is is money mindset and 
and money set point, you know, that they, they, they do feel that they're being greedy and the husband may even use those words. You know, are you trying to financially ruin me by? Yeah. So, and, and they will use words like it's my pension. It's not, it's not. Yeah. And um, yet yeah, technically has your name on it, but it's family money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really valuable information for, you know, most of the, the women that I work with are, tend to be older. Um, and therefore, you know, they, they do need handling with, with, with kid, kid gloves. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how, how can we educate women about financial wellness in the same way as we educate them about physical and mental wellness? Um, I think the first thing is we need to be speaking about it an awful lot. There's a lot of money silence. It's still a taboo. Um, it's still something that we don't talk about with our children. We don't put on the table. So my big, big ask is for everybody to break that money silence. Talk about what you earn and what you owe and what you have and what you want money wise, especially with your children. You know, let them know what your outgoings are. So that's the key thing. I think if we start to break that money silence, we get rid of the shame. And yeah. there shouldn't be shame. You know, there really shouldn't be. I think financial services as an industry, we've got to change it. So it's for people like me to kind of really push up and start to change the language and the approach so that it becomes really clear to society that looking after your money is self-care. You know, looking after your money is really about having a really clear um, path and a way forward that creates peace of mind. Um, and that peace of mind is all about well-being. And then in terms of kind of really practical things that women listening can do, um, follow me on Instagram. That's a great way to kind of start to get an impression of the things you could be doing to look after your money. Follow some other financial advisors on Instagram as well. And um, there are plenty out there who's, who focus specifically on women, not many with women on divorce, but just on women. And that little daily dose of inspiration and knowledge. Lots of us have the viewpoint of it being financial well-being, um, self-care, self-love. Um, so you will get some little kind of little inspiration around that as well and then in terms of kind of making it part of what you do you need to create some structure so the same way that many of us start our day with affirmations and gratitude breathing and yoga and we have a sense of how to eat well and how to look after our bodies we need to keep the straight structure with our with our money it comes from actually doing a little bit of a boot camp you know kind of getting the order and the structure, but then having some systems in place to continually maintain just little by little so that you can actually understand what you're doing with your money and also having a financial plan in place so you know how long your money is going to last if you have enough and if you don't, the steps you can take to address that. All of those things coming into line really produce this wonderful feeling of being in control um, and, and self-worth and self-reliance. Self yeah, I mean, you, you were saying the other day that um, they're now introducing financial education in, in schools. Yeah. Big leap forward from, from mm. my day when money was a dirty word. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the next generation won't be in the same place. Absolutely. And we've still got a lot society wise, I think, to change. Um, so money is on the curriculum now in both uh, primary and in secondary schools. Um, and 
it's normally financial advisors like myself who go in and run workshops on a regular basis so that they're getting the expertise from those people who know firsthand. What is really interesting is when we get into those schools, how much we actually are helping the teachers um, because yeah. they want to get their own financials places sorted in a kind of their own well-being there. Um, and so it does highlight that big divide. Um, but I think as a society, we also need to change. So it's one thing having the knowledge which we're impacting and one thing having the confidence to talk about it with the children. But as the next generation, um, we need to be talking about how we as parents use our money, what we spend it on. You know, it's really alarming to me when I speak to fellow parents that they don't talk about how much things cost with their children and how much they earn. You know, like they don't tell the children how much they earn. Your children need contacts. If you're going to tell them how much an iPhone is, you need to tell them how much of your salary that is. Like I've yeah, worked yeah. three weeks this month to pay for X so that yeah. they can get that kind of re reality check on things. So, yeah, I think it is exciting times ahead, Sue, but I think it's still a big, big journey to go on. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. So how can people get in touch with you, Kerry? So the first thing is, I would say definitely follow along with me on Instagram. Um, it's Willowbrook Financial Planning. So find me on there. Um, I post an awful lot. So you will just get a little tidbits, a little insight into who I am as a real person. Because remember, I said, I think that's so, so important. Um, but what you'll also get on there is um, quite a lot of information just about little things that you can be doing. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. You'll find longer things on there, my articles, etc. Um, on my website. So um, it's willowbrooklfp.co.uk so willowbrook lfp and on there you'll find my blogs and how i work and how to contact me so yeah all of those environments so willowbrook lfp that's all one word yeah all one word the lfp is lifestyle financial planning so that yeah. might give you a bit more context so www.willowbrooklfp.co.uk yeah i'll put all those details in perfect. the uh, in the notes at the end perfect Thank you. So all I can say now is thank you very, very much, Kerry, for giving up your, your time. And it's been amazing. Thank you. You are very welcome. I've loved every second. So as well as being a, a certified divorce coach, as I've been speaking, I was divorced myself at 50. So I've been in the same situation as the listeners. So let me walk down the path with you as your thinking partner. I'd like to thank you for listening today and it's my prayer that this show will help you or someone in your life reach out to us at www.divorce-doctor.com or find me on Facebook or LinkedIn, Dr. Sue Palmer Con, PhD.